0: Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians. Um, and we are continuing on in that passage in which Paul has been thankful for the church at Colossae and thankful for the gospel and how the gospel has been working in that community, that church community. And we are going to pick up. We've been out of that text of Scripture, which is going to be covering from verse. Three down through around verse eight, several things in in this in this text relating to the gospel. So uh, we picked out several words, but before we look at the word, just ask the Lord's blessing once again this time. Father, we do thank you for your patience and for your mercy. We this morning have talked extensively about the fact that. There have been uh, times in which we did not really understand what you were doing or why you were doing it. And even times when we wondered if you were in charge, that we questioned sometimes your motive, your goodness. And that's because we are looking at circumstances and we're looking at how we feel and what we think, how we interpret things, instead of looking at what the scripture tells us. Is true about yourself. Thank you so much for giving us your word and your truth. We know in Scripture there are many ta- passages that talk about the greatness of having a full knowledge of you, an experiential knowledge of you, an understanding of you. And we are very thankful for the fact that you have privileged us to know these, some of these things and to have insight into your motive and your purpose and your plan. Help us, and I begin that with myself, help us and help me to cooperate fully with you, not to try to second guess you, not to try to manipulate you as if you were some genie, not to try to use you as if you were our servant but submit to you and surrender to you and to your will for our lives thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace and thank you for this time that we can open your word i pray that you will open it to us and open our hearts to your truth and that you would use us for your glory. This in Jesus' name, thanksgiving. Amen. Paul starts out here after the introduction, talking about the gospel. And the first word that we're looking at there is the word faith. Paul just is thankful for, basically, uh, thankful to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for their faith, their trust in him this trust that's based upon the fact of God's word and God's truth. He's thankful He's thankful to them that they are that we're thankful to the Lord for them that they are growing and that they are bearing fruit and that faith is a reality. Faith is a reality in our lives. We know that Ephesians tells us that it's by grace that we're saved through faith and that's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of our works or scheming or whatever, not a result of our works, but it is his work, his plan, is a gift of his. And so we're thankful to that. We're thankful in this text for, for the Lord and for his faith that he has given to us and given to that church. Um, faith enables us, when we think about faith, to understand god has to say and not only to understand the gospel but to be emotionally i guess i could say sorrowful over our sin but not just emotionally sorrowful but sorry sorrowful to the point of turning around and coming to him faith does that it helps us to understand who he is and to submit to his lordship and he uses appreciated david's testimony he uses things in our lives and uses people in our lives. And he uses like the fear of darkness and being left outside or being uh, smothered. Uh, I've thought about that in these some of these uh, caverns that are really dark and pressing and stuff. And the Bible does talk about hell as being a place of outer darkness as well as a place of suffering, a place of separation. And fear of these things is a legitimate reason among others to flee to the Lord and to seek his face and to seek solutions. And uh, he's good to do that. Um, Better to fear and repent and come to him than to be comfortable and happy and be lost. So that was the first word. The second word in this text is the word love. Uh, And that is connected with faith. It is... uh, Paul is, is saying that since we heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, which you have for all the saints, it is the display of care and the display of affection. We have three words that appear frequently in the New Testament, faith, hope, and love. And faith is that heavenly directed trust and confidence in God that once you it begins to take root produces love performance in our lives to those around us in the fellowship those whose lives we touch people are the reason christ came was to pay for the sin of people and that's a very important understanding that we have understand that and all of us meet people and i meet people too that I may term to be unlovable or unlovely maybe. Uh, Not to look down our nose, but sometimes we do that. And yet, Christ loves people. He loves everybody and we, we can't pick and choose who he has the right to love. We want to be available and be used of him to see people embrace the gospel and see their lives changed and uh, so that that is the display of faith producing love for people around us and finally the hope which is the next word in that list uh speaks of the hope the anticipation of looking for looking for something that we desire to see that we long to 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 embrace and participate, it isn't so much a wish. We think of maybe the, the future that the Lord has planted. We talk about what he has is, is prepared for those who love him. We think about that as being something we wish for, but actually it's a promise that we can latch on to. First Peter, in talking about that, just a great verse says that, um, He's given us the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance. An inheritance is that which is acquired through the death of somebody. We obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, that is, it will not perish, and undefiled, that it is is uncontaminated, and it will uh, not fade or rust or wear away it is preserved in heaven for you. These are things, and isn't this a nice thing? We were thinking about this this morning as we were talking about the Lord and His goodness, and we were talking about His provision and the fact that He uses so many things. He doesn't always answer as quickly as we desire, or He maybe I should say the maybe He starts to answer, but we don't see the answer or the result or the provision, maybe for some time later, because it's in a process of being developed. It's like uh, the Lord commanded an angel, Gabriel, to come to Daniel, and yet he left. The command came, but it took some time for the, the command to be realized. And so we have that uh, situation where we have a hope that's anticipated with desire of the things that God has prepared for us good things, wonderful things. And this is not a wish, this is a fact. And, and we are just blessed by that. We were just uh, challenged by that. And so uh, here we have this hope, this, this promise that is an anchor to the soul. Uh, it anchors us to the throne of the universe. It anchors us to the God who sits on the throne. It, it anchors us to the hope of the one who Jesus said, uh, he holds on to us and we are held by the father and that we are secure in that. It anchors us to him that's a good thing. That's good to have that hope, and that promise and that reality and recognition. That's, that's wonderful. Then the third word in this little section, faith, uh, hope, uh, faith, love, and hope is this idea of proclamation. It's in verse six. He's talking about uh, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. And we, we even touched on that last time maybe two thoughts out of that. One, that there is a universal problem in the world, and I'm certain that we are aware of that problem. Paul talks about the the sinfulness of man back in Romans 3, very discouraging in a way when you think about what what Paul tells us as he quotes from the Psalms about the condition of the human man, human, the descendants of Adam, he says, there is none righteous. No, not one. Uh, this is Romans chapter three, verse ten. When he says there are none righteous, what he's saying is there are none that are right. There are none that are in a position of rightness. There are none that do what is right, really, and uh, understand what is right. Keep, it was on to talk about there are none who. Who understand the things of god the things of truth the conditions of man there are none who understand those things how many people are not right how many people have a, a lack of understanding going to this verse all of us have it it's universal it's a, it's a very deplorable condition and we stand before holy god mm-hmm. And we need to know that. We need to know our condition of being sinful and repulsive and rebellious. And we need to know the God that we stand before, who is our creator, the one that we want to be with, is absolutely holy. And so this is a this is an interminable conflict that we can't reconcile, but God has reconciled that and has made it. He's knocked down that wall of petition and he's enabled us to. To approach Him, to approach the Father and to trust Him. And so there's none righteous, there's none who understand. There are none who seeks for God. That's another thing that uh, and I look back in my conversion and probably you do too at times when you you wanted to go to heaven. Uh, you, maybe you maybe even go to church because you want some the Lord to shine some blessing on your life and you're trying to do this. You don't think about it as i did i did that i promised the lord sometimes i'd go to church five times if you would do something in my life and yeah. i'm thinking um the lord is very merciful and gracious and he did these things and i didn't go to church five times it's probably a good thing because the church i was a member of was not a conservative church and so and i was a member of that church way. but uh, god is good and merciful and gracious and he works over around and through our situation, our circumstances, our conditions, our relationships, and these things, to bring out of this the result in our lives and those around us for his glory. And he's good to do that. He's really good to do that. And I was just talking this morning, uh, somebody we're talking about people we're praying for, and there's some people that it seems that we prayed and prayed and prayed and they still are spiritually dead and that's a, that's a sorrowful thing i have uh, family members that are that way and I, I pray for them i have good friends that are that way that don't know the lord and i pray for them and i'm sure you do too all of us have people that we pray for and we really ask the lord to work in their hearts and lives because that's important to us and uh, that's the Lord tells us to pray for those that uh, without hope, and uh, we need to do that. We ought to do that. We have we are called uh, priests before God. We are the priest of the believer, which means that we can go to the Lord on behalf of those who do not know Him and beseech His mercy and His grace and really ask Him to work. And uh, it's it's an important request. Uh, that make it sure that it's an important prayer. Um, because God, He was it—the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man death much. That's God's word in James, and so we, get, we want to take that seriously. So anyway, I'm just taking a lot of time here just to remind us that in this situation, the gospel is a universal problem. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an answer for a universal problem in mankind, humankind. That man is a sinner; he is lost. And the, the condition is uh, needs an answer, and the answer is the gospel. And there is a universal provision. Acts four twelve uh, is that is that passage that tells us that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you know the verse. I'm going to read it because I want to get it exactly because it's a powerful verse. The verse says. Um, Let, well, I'll, I'll make up. Scripture says, Let it known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you've crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, by which, but which became the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in none other, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved or delivered. That's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, and that, that is um, is—that's a, a true statement that there is a universal problem and that universal provision is Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that there is a provision? That God has had mercy on us, that he has provided an answer, and that, He's given us an understanding of that i think about that a lot i think about the, the fact that that i have an understanding and uh, i need to, to to apply that what what is illogical to know the answer and then to postpone responding to that answer and to put it off when it's the only answer and it's the only hope we have and so it's really important so notice here this provision is for anybody that is to be saved in the world there is no second name or no plan b this is the universal provision for the universal problem next word and i want to spend probably the rest of the time on it is the word fruit Uh, he says they talked about the gospel which has come to you just as in all the, the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard it." The gospel has an effect on our lives, and it affects the way we live. It affects how we respond to things. It works in our hearts and in our lives so that as we were talking earlier, David mentioned it, that our lives should should be a testimony to people around us. And Peter says that it should Uh, make people ask us a reason for the hope that we have within us. Which means that in times of struggle, in times of confusion, in times of doubt, in times of perplexity and hardship and suffering, people need to see that we do have a hope. We have a, we talk about an anchor, which is an anchor for the soul, an anchor to the throne of God, to the universal uh, sovereign and uh, he is the only one who has the power of being in himself, and people need to see that hope. And it's not going to be there unless it's real, unless we learn that. We were, David was talking about praying about our financial, my financial situation, because that's what drove me to my knees when I initially came to the Lord. And I was sharing the other day about the time in California, and I know I shared that with you as well. When I had, I was, I was. Uh, to and approaching a time when I was going to be three months behind in my rent, and we were reinforced that I knew we wouldn't have to move and we knew we couldn't, couldn't stay there. And I would wake up at four in the morning in the darkness of the room there uh, in the bed and look at the ceiling and just cry out oh, the Lord, Lord, why can't you help me get that work that I've been doing? Because I have applications into work and stuff. And why can't you help me with that? And, uh, cause, and I would just nothing would happen. I mean, I would just lay there. It seemed like it was a blank. And yet I knew, I I didn't have the assurance then that I do now and that I know now that God does hear the prayers and He is in charge and His motivation behind that is a good motivation because it it gets my attention. See, I'm I'm kind of hard-headed. Not kind of, I am hard-headed. And it takes a lot for the Lord to get my attention he can do it, and you really don't want to play uncle with him, you really don't want to see who can win that war, that battle, because he can do it, and he can really do some quick uh, arm twisting if he needs to, and uh, unfortunately, many times, the, the pressure he has to put is the kind of pressure that isn't easily reversed. Uh, and you have to go through a period of time in which you suffer the knocks and the bruises of the two by four that he had to hit you on the head to get your attention or whatever. And so this is this is part of that work that the Lord is doing in our lives to make us productive, which is the fruit that flows out of our relationship with the Lord. And I've been I've been uh, thinking about that and I want to read to you. Now you can take your Bibles and turn it over to the, what's the passage that deals with the vine and the branches, John 15. Okay, so take your Bibles. turn to John 15. Let's just read through that. This, this, the context here, Jesus had been in the upper room in the last verse. They're talking with the disciples, uh, talking to them uh, about their relationship and the fact that he had been with them, but he's now going to be departing and leaving them and uh, he's been talking to them about how they can be productive they can have strength and they can have um, functionality even when he is gone and so he's been he's kind of painting that picture lloyd is such a magnificent teacher and uses such tremendous illustrations and as they left the upper room and they're going over to toward the garden I think it's just very logical that they were going by some of the vineyards and things and they can see where they have the gardeners have been out pruning, and they got a pile of a lot of the broken branches and stuff there and Jesus using that illustration of the vine and the branches and I, I don't know for sure that they were uh, that that they were going through the vineyard but it seems a good kind of a good conclusion to me he says I am the true vine, which doesn't that at first tell us that it is kind of a contrast because there may be those or things that we trust to be a source of, of strength that's not the true vine, it's the counterfeit vine or it's a, a man-made, subjected to, uh, vine uh, the provision that we have of, a, 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 uh, instead of being an objective, truth here is a subjective truth it's something we're inventing but he says i am the true vine my heart my father is the vine dresser the the gardener or whatever so you have a vine dresser that is caring for the vines and here's jesus who says he is the true vine and the father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Well, if I read that correctly, there are two kinds of branches that are coming out of this this vine. Some that are fruitful and some that are not. And these, he identifies them as being branches in me, every branch in me. So here you have branches that are fruitful and branches that are not. And we're looking at the subject of fruit bearing here. and And I understand it that fruit bearing is the normal byproduct of what how can we be sure that we are bearing fruit how can we be sure that we are real Well, if i read this passage the whole passage is here to tell us that we need to abide in him now that's shouldn't be too hard to understand it just means to focus on him um i've had several gardens i don't have one I haven't had any in the last couple of years because it takes too much time. I don't want to put the time into it about doing other other things. But I've grown many, many uh, um, tomato plants, for example, and uh, I've gone out there and I've seen a tomato vine on the ground and all withered and drying up and stuff. And I can pick it up, it's been broken, broken off. Why is it withered? Because it's no longer in the vine, it's no longer in the main stalk. And so if a branch is going to be productive, it has to abide in the main stem, it has to be connected. And there has to be my words about in you and you about in me. There has to be that communication back and forth, that life that comes out of the main stalk that goes into the vine. And if it's there, then the, the gardener, who is the father, is gonna make sure that it's productive, it's fruitful, And there are, there is an action he takes place. Uh, One of the actions is he cuts them off because they're not real. And he gets them and puts them in a pile and burns them. And there are those, and this is, this is something I don't mean, I know we can't lose our salvation, but there are people in the church who think they're saved, they're not. And the Bible's pretty clear about that, that that does happen. And there are those there that in the vine that are, seem to be pictured in that, context that be, uh, be with him but they're not fruitful they're not doing anything and he cuts them off and puts them in a pile and burns them that's the judgment that would be near the end but there are other branches that are his that he still cuts back and cuts cuts them down we used to do that with they call them suckers i don't know if you've seen one tomato plants that between the stalk and the vinyl little little plant that grows up there a little stem and it, it takes a lot of energy away from the, the main stem and so you can you can take that so we used to take them cut them off and then stick them in the ground and keep them wet they would root and turn into another plant but anyway um, what he's saying is that, that the, the father cuts back a lot of these branches that are in the vine that are but they're not real fruitful he cuts them back to make them more productive because it is the, the goal of the whole process to be fruitful. And what we have to be do to be fruitful is to abide in Him. And the Father then overtakes the overseership and the leadership of that. I've often thought about the fact that God the Father watches over us, and even more than that, since we've been studying John, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that Jesus is our shepherd, he's our good shepherd. He's our shepherd that is motivated to do good in our lives and he's not like the false shepherds and the people that come and thieves and robbers and they are there to scatter the flock he is the opposite from doing bad things he is actually there to pour out his life his effort his time his energy his whole coming for his sheep to do that so he says i am the good shepherd in john 10. in this passage he talks about uh, the fruit uh, bearing fruit he takes it away the father and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit you are already pruned or clean because of the word which i have spoken to you so um that tells us something about the power of that word which is that communication that comes up through the vine into the branches and that is that 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 word helps to purify helps to clean helps to make productive the branches you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. There's that back and forth communication. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me, do nothing. Uh, in that text, this is, we are introduced there to um, one of the I Am's in John's Gospel. Um, in this passage, he is, he is called, I am the vine. In John chapter 6, he is said, says, I am the bread of life. That is the nourishment of spiritual life. Uh, Then he says in John 8, I am the light of the world. And in that context, remember that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And their motivation is to be left alone. Uh, He says in John uh, John 10, I am the door. And then further on in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. the door is the entrance into the kingdom. The good shepherd is the one who is working with the sheep, lays his life down. He says in verse 11, John 11, I am the resurrection and the life, which we will be looking at. Thank you for that lesson. That's a good lesson. I'm looking forward to it. He says in John 14, I am the way, truth, life. And John 15, then is I am the truth. God. Now, as opposed to all the other things, uh, just think of, just know this. The text, the grammar there uh, could be accurately read. I and I alone am the bread of life. I and I alone am the light of the world. I and I alone am the door. I and I alone uh, am the good shepherd. I and I alone am the resurrection and the life. I and I alone am the way the truth and the life i and i alone am the true vine and in all these cases he is the only source the only provision for these things and if you talk about nourishment for life and light to understand god and light the things of the world and an entrance into the kingdom of god and someone to to really oversee the welfare of your life even to the point of putting his life on the line and that someone to guarantee that you are going to be resurrected into life and someone who is going to provide for you an accurate way to the father the truth about the father and that life one who is the actual source the best source the provider the anchor the foundation he and he alone is that supply and we need to take that seriously that is part of the fruit that comes out of that relationship I was talking uh, the other day with Anne Marie. She, uh, we were talking about different things, and she had um, the fruit of the spirit memorized. I did not have it. She had it memorized. We were talking about that uh, to have your life um, ha- in your life. Well, let me just say this before I do that, and we're going to come to But um, I remember Jay Adams. I never forget this. Jay Adams was talking to. Uh, Richard Gans and um, Richard Gans was one who had, had earned his doctorate uh, in psychology and he studied under several people and was part of a very prestigious firm uh, of uh, counseling in, in the area of secular psychology and uh, he knew that whenever he sat down, even though he had had a doctorate and studied for years, and he said, I knew I really didn't have the answers for these people. I knew I didn't. And I could tell them all the stuff that they tell us in the book, and tell them all the the, the theories of Freud and Rogers and Young and whatever. And they said, but I knew that I didn't have the answers. And so I went to Jay Adams, because I heard Jay speak, and he had talked about the food of the spirit. And he said, I heard that, that passage on the food of the spirit. And that, you know, he pointed out that secular psychology, when you go to the secular psychologist for evaluation, what is it that they try to do in your life? Whether well, you could say, well, they try to make you a normal person. But what is a normal person? How do you define a normal person? How do you define what you are looking for? How can you articulate the goal that you are wanting to move this person? Two, if they're coming for counsel because they're not right how can you counsel them in a position of becoming right if you don't have a definition of what being right is yeah. you don't know what it is and uh, so he he talked with uh, jay adams and, and that was one of the things jay adams said he said that is a mystery in the, in the field of psychology today and he said they don't know what normal is they do not have a description of that and that's what that's what re, really woke richard Gansup up he heard that that um message on the fruit of the spirit he he's he called it being from gal five which is galatians i don't know why he, he thought it was just a, he saw the word in gal and he thought it had to do with gal and so he called it the, the, the list it was in gal five but it was a very good list and he went to jay and he got an appointment with Jay Adams and stuff and um Jay Adams both basically told him you need to be able to tell him what God says. And there's no way you're going to be able to tell him what God says unless you know what he says yourself. And so this, this passage here, love, which is a, the response of, of caring for people and working in people's lives, joy, which is the overflowing... Uh, obedience that flows into life when you're in the right relationship with God, peace, which is that the calmness or that storm that naturally exists between people and God because we're uh, out of touch with Him, we're disobedient to Him, patience, which is that uh, long-suffering, that, that uh, uh, willingness to, to let God do what He's going to do His way, His time, which is something that I need to, to need. kindness, which is being... Uh, kind and gentle with people because god loves people goodness which has to do with what is uh, appears as that which honors the lord and looks looks um looks right faithfulness which has to do with being faithful and and possessing a faith gentleness which means that we are able to function in a a, uh, gentle and soft and kind manner and then self-control which of course is the environment that we struggle with a lot those are things that are all part of the byproduct of the spirit and it's not the fruits of the spirit we look at that and we say that this is one of the fruits of the spirit no it is that the spirit is producing all of these things in our lives and we're not complete until all these things are being produced completely in our lives. And how many of us have all these things being produced completely in our lives? Well, I don't have them in mind, like I'd like to have them, and probably you struggle with that too. And so uh, these are are important things that, that the gospel produces in our lives, and they have to be there. And so in our passage here, he talks about bearing fruit and that fruit increasing which, with that idea of increasing, seems to imply pretty clearly that there is need for growth. There is room for growth, room for improvement in our lives, room for improvement in my life, and probably room for improvement in your life as well. Verse uh, in this passage on fruit of the Spirit, the two verses immediately following the fruit of the Spirit say this: Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So. You have the life bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the opposite of that is, or in cooperation with that, is that that fruit can flourish, the flesh has to be crucified, the flesh has to die. And that's what he said, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, so that the Spirit of God is there to guide us, to counsel us, direct us, you need to be in the Word, and, and then you need to, to listen to the Spirit of God when he is directing in our lives. That walk, um, just remember, is not it's not flight. It's not necessarily fast. It's one step at a time. One step at a time. And there will be times in which... I know I have. I've stepped backwards and done some pretty stupid things, and perhaps you have too. But we want to make progress, so that our life is making a slow progress up, 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 up more and more like Christ, less and less like yourself. I feel like so. so the next one is grace, but we'll look at that next time. But this part of the the, the, the Christian life, the fruit that is there, has to be there. I think of the passage that Jesus talked about of the parable of the sower. When the when the sower went out to sow and he sowed the gospel, there's no commentary on anything other than the response of the hearts of different objects in which the gospel was sown. The, the hard path, uh, that's a hard heart. The, the gospel is sown and the birds come down. Satan comes and takes it away. There is a path that is... Uh, littered with weeds and things of this nature and there's a path that's got rocks and it's a shallow soil and doesn't, doesn't produce much and both of those are, are one is a one is the i think in the I probably you can get it mixed up but if i'm not mistaken it's the the soil that has uh the rocks and the things like this a shallow soil and it receives the gospel quickly with joy but yet uh when the sun comes out persecution comes hard times come they turn from the gospel, they walk away, they don't have anything to do with it. And the other one is the par- the soil that is infected with weeds, which means it, it responds to the gospel as well, and it starts to produce, but the weeds come, those weeds representing pressures, uh, wealth, uh, things like that in our lives, come in to compete with that gospel so that the gospel that is, that is growing is not producing fruit. And uh, so, um, I, I just worry about that in my life because I want my life to produce fruit for the Lord. And probably you, I'm sure you do. But if you belong to the Lord, you want that fruit to be there. And that comes by abiding in Him. And abiding in Him means we turn off the TV and we turn off a lot of things that distract our attention and make sure that we spend time with Him every day. It's it's, it's really very important. All right, let's close in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for these words this morning and for the wisdom that you have given to us in the scriptures about our walk with you and about fruit bearing. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to be fruitful, more fruitful, and produce good fruit, righteous fruit, fruit that brings honor and glory to your name, and I pray that you'll help me to abide in you. It is so easy to be preoccupied, it is easy for me to be occupied. And so I just, and I know that that is a problem. It's a sinful problem. So I pray for my heart and my life, and I pray for our hearts and our lives here, that you will help us to have a clear understanding of your goodness to us. You tell us in scripture that whatever we do, whether we eat and drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. And There's nothing that is more basic to life, no, nothing that is more uh, just mundane and normal than eating and drinking which means that in every aspect of our lives we need to be focusing on doing it for your glory to exalt help us to do that help me to do that. thank you for this time thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives and for the calling the security that we've been looking at today which is magnificent we are so unworthy but so appreciative of who you are and what you're doing and we ask your blessing upon the remainder of this day Pray for the communion tonight, as well as the leadership meeting this afternoon. Ask for your blessing upon the, the work. Help the church to be, really bring honor and glory to the Savior, and we pray in his name with thanksgiving.